Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. Well, that was uh, that was a little weird. I feel like uh, Lucas, we were talking about something else uh, the last time we were together, but uh, having a hard time remembering what that would have been. Yeah, I will. I I feel it too. It's some sort of like deja vu sensation. Just something's not right. There's been a glitch in the matrix, but I can't quite recall what happened. But hey, we're talking about Arthur this week. You're certainly right, and uh, you know whatever it was. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was something that we ended up uploading. I don't know. Like if you if you go back and check, kids, uh, go ch- go and check our uh, our podcast feed, and maybe maybe we uh, uh, ended up saying ended up saying ended up talking about something that we'll likely never talk about again. Some who, who sort of cyber interference that mm-hmm. you could chase down. I don't know. Uh, welcome to Elwood City Limits. This is the Episodic Arthur Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. My name's Will Young, and that's Lucas Mancini. L- Lucas here for your early morning edition of Elwood City Limits. I'm on the <laughs> second cup of coffee. Let's get it on. I'm on I'm on half a banana. That's all I need, boy. <laughs> you live in that half a banana life. That's true. Um, so, Lucas, before we get into... We've actually got a few emails to get to. Before we even get to that... Uh, I had a nice surprise waiting for me when I got home from work last night. Oh? So some of uh, some of you listening may have been to our Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. And if so, if you're involved in kind of the, the Arthur Tumblr scene, you may be familiar with Out of Context Arthur, which is, uh, again, something that we've recommended a couple times. It's a very funny... Uh, uh, Tumblr collection of Arthur screenshots and clips. Well, it turns out that the creator of Out of Context Arthur has a Redbubble store of Arthur t-shirts. Oh. And my Arthur t-shirt that I uh, decided to order, this is from the Redbubble store Mushrooms. So like mushrooms, except M-O-S-S-H-R-O-O-M-S. Ordered it from them, and it just came in yesterday. Which shirt is it? It happens to be a shirt that says having fun isn't hard, and then it has Arthur Reed's library card on it. There you go. Um, I'm still waiting on my Jesus and Marrow shirts to show up in the mail uh, when uh, they they did a collab with Urban Outfitters, and I bought the whole collection. What? And so... I'm waiting on those. Wow. What? Uh, give me an example of what one of them kind of says. Uh, well, one of them just has a picture of Juicebox the bear on it, which is probably my favorite one. Okay. It's just like a photorealistic picture of the bear that's in the background of their uh, their show. Uh, yes. There's a there's another one that says Jesus and Mero smacked city mayors, and it's like <laughs> a parody of like the Dipset logo, but it has Jesus and Mero. Okay. Uh, and there's another one where it's like it's like a glass of water, and it says DNM on it. And there's another one that says FOH. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very much excited. I've been waiting for Jesus and Barrel merch forever. A lot of it's on back order because it all sold out like day one. But still, mm-hmm. so I feel we all have we all have T-shirts on route. I feel like um, I feel like they could real they got a real untapped market there, and certainly not limited to this. But they could get in on some real good uh, rap logo. Uh, parodies. Oh my gosh, yes, I know. Um, I I I love like rap T-shirts. Like, uh, there's a book at Urban Outfitters that's like, uh, it's just a coffee table book that's got pictures of classic rap T-shirts. Like, oh, all these like really really famous Public Enemy T-shirts or all these really famous Beastie Boys T-shirts. And I always love looking at it, but it would be bad for me to buy because it'd be like I would literally buy all of these off eBay. Sweet. Well, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see them, and I hope they come in soon. 
Uh, all right, so let's get over to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We haven't been able to get to this for a little while, so we've got a couple of emails. Let's start off with Dylan. Dylan says, last week you talked about things turning Wait, into wait, ar- is it is it Dylan? I don't Dylan! I, I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, he's talking t- talking about things turning into other things being the scariest childhood experience. You're right. Uh, I remember the live action Pinocchio movie scaring the heck out of me to the point where I was crying when it came on because a doll coming alive was hell on earth. I cried during watching that movie as well, but it wasn't because it was scary. It's because it's so bad. It is rather rather terrible. Yeah, but uh, no, I totally get that. <laughs> the the uh, doll coming to life is pretty scary when you're a kid. I was also scared of Barney, who stared out as a doll, started out as a doll, but became an eight foot tall Megasaurus Rex. I would cry and hide when he came on TV. I remember he came to my city with the Teletubbies, and I was scared because they were coming with a. Oh my goodness, big purple surprise. Uh, Marvel says that Infinity War is the all-time greatest crossover. <laughs> but uh, Barty and the Teletubbies live and in person is exists. So how could that be true? <laughs> uh, scary stuff from Dylan right there. Uh, next, we have one here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, from Beatrix, who uh, wanted to know if we have heard kind of a couple of lesser-known Arthur songs. She attached uh, a couple of videos here, and actually, these songs were covered in the bonus episode on um, the Arthur's first-ever soundtrack. So, they're uh, the Lucky Pencil song and... Uh, DW's go to sleep. Uh, I'll I'll send you these YouTube links, Lucas, because you can you can check them out. Yeah, I I think I've heard DW's go to sleep, and I assume the lucky pencil song tackles the episode where Arthur's got the lucky pencil. I'd I'd, I'd encourage you to listen to our bonus episode with Jordan Taylor. Yeah, uh, I still have to do that. I, I I very much want to. But she also has another question. Uh, did you ever go on the Arthur website when you were kids? I have fond memories of the game where you make an alien, as well as the You've Gotta Be Kidding game, which has become a meme recently. Also, have you looked at it more recently? They made an interactive story based on the episode where Binky told Buster's joke, though they spell out the moral a bit more than they do in this episode. Did you ever go to the PBS Kids website? I definitely did. Not as a kid, but as a uh, like adult, when the uh, art, like the comic creator started to become a meme, I would mess around with that. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I remember that. Uh, I do remember the Alien Creator game. I pretty much would have played all of them, and uh, that's where a lot of our our banner images are from on our various social medias. Uh, is from those games. Uh, haven't been there recently though, so maybe I'll have to take a deep dive uh, later I on used- this week. I used to spend a ton of time on the YTV website. Yeah, um, do you okay. Re- do, you re- do you remember YTV Sidekicks? Ye- no, no, Sidekicks. 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 Okay. It was like a little robot that by completing certain challenges on the YTV website, you could get like basically like clothing items like DLC for, and you could customize the robot like it was a Neopet. Like you could add legs, you could give it different colors. And I went way down a Sidekick rabbit hole back in the day. Nice. Uh, I I was I also went on the Fox Kids one a lot when I was a kid, playing all the Digimon games. Ooh. Uh, thank you for that, Beatrix. Uh, we got a quick one here from our pal John at the John Dulong Show. Uh, he says, quick question. Listening to Will's recent chat with Jordan Taylor made me notice something. You guys always refer to Arthur, Kate, and DW's parents as Mom and Dad Reed rather than Jane and David. Any particular reason for this? For me, I think it's just easier. Like when if I say Jane and Dave Reed, I feel like newer listeners might be confused of like, wait, who's he talking about? And it's just like mom and dad Reed is like, well, that's kind of what their role is. So uh, it's just a bit easier. It's also just hard to remember because like the only time they get referred to, they get referred to as such is when there's an adult character talking to them. Mm. Um, and usually Arthur episodes are from the kid's perspective. So they are usually referring to them as either mom or dad. It's very rare. It's usually like a background scene where like a character's like, Jane, my taxes. So yeah. uh, we don't get to hear those names a lot. So they kind of leave my head. I always am a little bit surprised when I'm like, oh yeah, his name's David. 
Uh, and finally, we have an email here from Chris, who is a who says he's a big fan. I uh, just wanted to share with you one of the most iconic lines ever uttered in any Arthur episode. It comes from The Ballad of Buster Baxter, so maybe we missed this one. During the moment when Arthur is shooting hoops and shooting the breeze with Sue Ellen, Arthur asks if she'd like to play checkers. Sue Ellen responds with a quippy, I don't like checkers. See ya! And then proceeds to leave Arthur alone on the court. Honestly, one of the most savage moments of Arthur history. I seem to remember that, but I remember that with Buster, where uh, he was trying to find like a maybe a new friend or something, and uh, he was telling her about watching Bionic Bunny in French, and um, <laughs> he was just he was just like, oh yeah, remember when Bionic Bunny says, and then Suel just goes, I'll watch TV. <laughs> She like she does not have so, too much time for social niceties. Sue Ellen, the original hipster. <laughs> and speaking of Sue Ellen, uh, we've got a lot to say about her in this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for your emails at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. And finally, finally, before we get into the episode at large, just want to say real quick that at the end of the episode, we're going to have a very special announcement. So stay tuned for that and uh, stay past the credits, kids. All right, so are you ready to do it, Lucas? This is What Scared Sue Ellen. Off the top, I'll say this is one of my all-time favorite episode titles just because uh, before the intro even started playing, I'm already, like, asking questions. I'm like, what did scare Sue Ellen? They have me. I'm, I'm hooked. You know, uh, that's happened before. Arthur, the show, can ask the right questions that leave you wanting more. Uh, but the whole the whole idea is that we're establishing from the very beginning that Sue Ellen is fearless. Uh, you know, kids, of course, have have lots of different fears. Arthur talks about a couple like and, and in pretty harrowing fashion. He's like demonstrating them like heights where he falls from a giant building or get a great vertigo effect when he does that or uh, giant spiders, which, you know, trigger warning giant spiders for this episode. My fiance is very scared of spiders, but not giant ones, just the little ones. I remember there's like a mod for Skyrim that takes all the giant spiders out. God bless. Uh, <laughs> but Sue Ellen is not does not seem to be afraid of anything, and she like she volunteers first for uh, doing her report in Mister Ratburn's class. Uh, she tries weird looking food in the cafeteria. Not even scary movies scare her. She's not even scared of DW when she's got Travis Scott effects on her voice. <laughs> not bad. I was going to say, uh, Arthur has a very animated delivery in this episode. Like, he seems extra excited to be there. But, uh, no, I, I unfortunately, I did ma not make the Travis Scott uh, illusion there. Is that is that kind of the usual effect that he uses? Kind of uh, or, a megaphone behind a door? Yeah, you know what? That's a great way to describe it. It's all DW would have had to have said was it's lit and it would have been perfect. It's lit. It's lit. <laughs> uh, so the episode starts with them uh, with Binky telling Arthur and Buster a scary story in the treehouse. Uh, I liked kind of Binky's way of telling the story and then his, uh, his very DIY because at the end he uh, produces a prop in order to get one last jump scare. Um, except instead of a hook, as the story is supposed to be, it's a book, uh, which is also great comedy. Um, but I will ask, like, I'm not sure about this. I think this story is referenced multiple times in Arthur as, like, a go-to scary story, like the hook on the door. Uh -huh. And I'm not sure if I've heard it referenced elsewhere. Um, but I've always wondered if this is making, a like, a pop culture reference to the movie I Know What You Did Last Summer. I was trying to think of, like, famous things in pop culture where people have a hook for a hand, and that's, like, the only one I can think of. It also just might be, like, a piece of folklore or, like, an old wives' tale that I'm not familiar with. It is a it is a, an urban legend, is uh, the the story of the hook. Uh, you, okay. You'll, you'll kind of hear it be told different times, but it's usually, like, you know, a couple are... Uh, uh, making out in a car and then they hear like a scratching noise and then they get home and it's just like, Oh no, the hook murderer because the hook was on the door or something to that effect. So maybe like, I know what you did last summer is based on the same, um, urban legend. Uh, could be, could be, uh, it, that's, that's, that takes in a little bit of a different direction, but maybe it kind of started from the same place. Uh, Binky, of course, uh, with a really great excuse of why he used a book. Where was I supposed to find a hook? thought that was funny. Sue Ellen is also in the treehouse with them, and uh, they're both like, well, 
like like did didn't she think that was scary and she's like why would i or and she kind of doesn't she seems to misunderstand the fun of scary media in general and arthur's trying to explain it to her of like she he's like look we know it's make believe and then buster goes we do so <laughs> buster's still very very gullible um swell and almost borderlines on annoying here i understand why she says these things but when she's like you know, the real fun thing is traveling, going to all these places. It's like, not everybody can do that so well. And you laid it on a little thick. See, but he- yeah, she's like, I, you know, like, I could see a kid being like, if this was real, I could see a kid being like, well, swollen, like, my family doesn't have enough money to go travel to all these different places. But she's like, oh, you know, you must see Perry. That's where the real fun's at. <laughs> you must see Perry. Uh, I, this actually kind of reminded me of, well, the dynamic that uh, Jenna, my fiance, and I have of that. I love scary media. I love scary stories, all that kind of stuff. And Jenna is the type to be like, yeah, that's boring. I'd rather go traveling, go new places. I'm like, yeah, all right. It's like, but Jenna, have you seen Phantasm? There's nowhere you can travel where the orbs live. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Uh, I'm bringing her through it one movie at a time. And some of them she actually likes. Yeah. Uh, so Sue Ellen uh, walks home through the nearby forest. Gotta say, I love the way this forest looks. So mm-hmm. they, des- they designed it to look... You know, it's 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 fall in this episode, so they decided to kind of look menacing, eerie, a little creepy. They're using like deep autumn colors, like some orange mixed with green, mixed with brown. I just think it looks really cool, and it's a great way to make a forest in daylight look kind of intimidating. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, there's there's a certain je ne sais quoi to making a woods in daytime seem menacing, and they totally nail it. Uh, Sue Ellen. Uh, is walking through with no problem, but then she hears a weird noise coming out of a tree. She thinks it's uh, the guys trying to scare her, but it's it's kind of so it's kind of it is a sort of weird ghostly howling, and it kind of spooks her. So that is what scared Sue Ellen. It's true. I wrote down she it was the woods that scared Sue Ellen. Uh, she's scared of the woods, just like the lady in that Lars von Trier movie. Uh, I actually found myself in this sequence missing Halloween. It, it gave me a very Halloween vibe. This would be a good episode Ooh. to watch around then. It's uh, true. We're getting into the fall episodes now. Or, well, you know, you know, they're never afraid about skipping around the season. So, you know, I don't know if this will be the fall episodes uh, altogether, but I guess we'll have to see. Uh, so Sue Ellen's imagination kind of runs away from her, and we kind of get a longer sequence here of... Her uh, thinking that it could be different folk tales from across the world, different she's scary got a, folk a, tales. A great line here, where like she's like, "What could what could it be? There's no monsters in Elwood City." And then she's like, "What if it's something that followed my family? What if it's something from overseas?" <laughs> and the line delivery there is like. I, I I got a really big kick out of it. Like, oh, somehow because something is from across the ocean, it's scarier. You could cut together a pretty funny uh, It Follows uh, parody trailer from this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she the first one she looks up is the Baba Yaga from uh, Russia, which, and I, again, I loved learning about these. So it's a, like an old woman, like an old witch who lives in a house that walks on like giant chicken legs. It has to. It has to be the inspiration for Howl's Moving Castle, right? Like, that movie's got to be based on that piece of folklore. It may be, but I can neither confirm or deny that. Alright, it's just, those chicken legs, it just looks so similar that it, it, it's almost one of those cases where it must be. Um, I also wrote down, so basically throughout the episode, Swellen's scared of all different, like, pieces of folklore from different cultures. And to me, it came off as like, Swellen's only scared of things that Hellboy would fight. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Sue Ellen would actually make a good addition to the BPRD. <laughs> uh, Sue Ellen also gets incepted here because she has a dream about the Baba Yaga, then seemingly wakes up, opens her window, and the Baba Yaga is there to say, Don't be late for school! <laughs> and then she wakes up again. Dream within a dream. Blah. The next day, she seems to be scared of everything, and... Uh, uh, Bink- Binky meets her. He's excited that she seems to finally be scared about something. 
But uh, then that quickly turns into fear from the other three guys of like, well, if she's scared of something, then maybe we should be too. They're sort of discussing what Suellen could possibly be scared of. Binky suggests the possibility that a mummy could be chasing her. Uh, and then someone else is like, no, mummies are too slow. And then Binky says, not if the mummy had a mountain bike. <laughs> I think fig- I figured you would. You probably would have written that down. It's a good line. Uh, it's I, it's like if Jeff Hardy was getting after you. <laughs> if, Wi- if Willow was getting after you. That, oh that, no, that, that that is truly scary. In that case, you just cringe yourself to death. Uh, yeah, and they're they're also having this conversation while they're sliding down the slide, which I, for me somehow it was just a funny visual of them carrying on this very even toned conversation while going up and down the slide. Something you could only do when you were a kid. Uh, I also noted here that when Sue Ellen gets spooked, she gets spooked all the way up to 11. She is incredibly nervous. Like, she talks to the guys about this, and she's very on edge as well about, like, what it could possibly be. Like, she's taking this completely seriously. So, she doesn't... Not a lot scares her, but when she does, boy, you better look out. (laughs) Uh, So, she suggested it could be a Baba Yaga. She also suggests it could be a Kappa. Uh, we get a Japan, great del- line delivery here. I don't remember who says it, but someone goes, "What's a kappa?" Uh, that's Arthur. Yeah, he, he like yells it all caps. What's a uh, kappa? Yeah. <laughs> uh, fun fact, uh, the or rather, the thing that I think of the most when I think of a kappa is. Oh, uh, oh wait, 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 wait. Let's yeah. let's say it. I'm gonna count to three, and if you're thinking what I'm thinking, we'll say it both at the same time. Okay. Okay. On three. One, two. Three, Kappa Mikey. Oh my goodness, no, different no, answers. Sorry. sorry, no, I was thinking of the Pokemon Gold Duck. Oh, is Gold Duck a Kappa? He doesn't have a flat head. Uh, no, but I think I think I, I remember reading somewhere, maybe in the official Pokemon handbook, that he was like inspired by a Kappa. I was thinking of Kappa Mikey, the TV show where Kappa Mikey was like the one Western style character in a land of anime characters. Did you ever watch that show? No, but I think I've heard of it. It was pretty ahead of its time for a concept, though I wonder how well it's aged. Yeah, I, I, I think I was actually watching a YouTube video about that not that, uh, not that long ago. So Speaking I... of which, Arthur can sometimes borderline on problematic whatever they, uh, it's specifically Asian culture for some reason. Whenever they have to like show something out of Asian culture, they always kind of get a like a Western voice actor to put on an accent, and all of it kind of comes off as just a little... I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, I I know it doesn't come from a bad place, but it's just one of those things that, like, look dated in the past. It's like when they were talking about, like, Buster being Asian coming back from uh, on his plane, and he says that great line about um, uh, the guy who who wrote the manga Astro Boy. Um, But still, the way they draw him and stuff is, like, a little bit problematic. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird to know where the borderline is there. I mean, at at the very least, it goes by quickly, so they don't like linger on it or anything. Uh, but yeah, I kind of I kind of thought the same thing, and uh, I guess uh, it's up to up to uh, viewer interpretation about how uh, how they kind of handled that. It uh, is uh, it is it is cool to learn about Kappa lore, though. I never knew yeah. about like because I knew Kappa's got those bowls in their heads, and I was like, oh, it's because if you could get them to tip their bowl over, they'll freeze. Uh, we also learn about the Banshee, which uh, Sue Ellen thinks that it could be the Banshee from Irish folklore. Uh, we get a cutaway featuring the Banshee, and weirdly, it's designed as a human. Oh, are Banshees not supposed to be humans? Well, no, but th- they are, but in our world. So, like, I thought it would be, you know, oh, like an it's not even it's not even an Anna. It's, oh, it didn't have any ears or anything. No. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, um, little strange. I would have loved to see Arthur tackle. Oh, what's that folklore where it's like the floating head? The floating head? It's like oh, there's like all these old '80s, uh, like '70s foreign horror films where it's like a head and it's got like a spinal cord still attached, but nothing else, and it floats. Oh, that's oh, I, that's oh. that's that's a that's an Asian one. I don't know what it's called. I forget. Floating head movie. 70s. I, you know what? Believe it or not, I don't think this is the first time we've referenced this on Elwood City. See, I typed in "floating head movie" and the first thing to come up was Zardoz. Not helpful. Um, not that one. <laughs> not, no, I'm not. I would remember Zardoz. Floating head horror, foreign 
movie. Oh, this is going to kill me. You can... So I don't know what the exact movie is, but the piece of folklore it's uh, referencing is the Penangalan, which is a ghost of Southeast Asian folk mythology. Um, uh, da, 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 let's see, in popular culture... Uh, it's in a Hellboy story. What a what a surprise! Hellboy <laughs> travels to Malaysia and fights this thing. Um, yeah, this is totally what I'm I'm thinking of. I guess I'm just thinking of like Hellboy villains for <laughs> Suella to fight. That's so funny. Uh, anyway, well, sorry to get off track there, but that was going to literally end me if I didn't Google it right then and there. I understand. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, the thing about the the ba- the banshee qu- the quick scene is that it has one of my most memorable Arthur moments that I think about is uh, Binky. Like it's kind of like there they open the door. The banshee is coming from its uh, headless horse drawn carriage outside, and it's slowly coming towards them. And then as it reaches the door, Binky just steps up and slams the door in its face, <laughs> and it just goes. And, then- and it just goes. Hey, that hurt. Yeah, the Banshee voice, like, instead of the shriek that it was giving, it, it's totally out of character. It's like, ow! And that's very funny. Yeah, that's that's great. It just, of course, Binky would be the one to slam the door on a ghost. And, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, think that's really memorable. Uh, so those are the those are the urban legends that they kind of make their way through, and it's like it could be any one of them, and by that point, they're all pretty scared. So Ellen shows them the part in the forest where uh, they heard the howling, and they all... Uh, run away. Uh, so Ellen, on her way back home, she talks to her parents who are going through some of their travel slides. So they, at one point, they went mountain climbing, which they were very afraid of. But as was as is the message of this episode, uh, they faced they they uh, prepared themselves well enough so they could face their fear head on. So Sue Ellen decides to do the same. There is a terrific, and I mean terrific, part here where Sue Ellen uh, decides to assemble everybody to go back to prepare and to investigate the howling. Binky's watching. She she, she literally pulls a Jack from Lost and is like, "We have to go back, Binky. We have to go back." <laughs> Good one. Uh, and she she calls Binky, and this is the, this is the greatest. So Binky's watching something on TV, and he answers the phone, and, and he, the first thing he says is, oh, "I wasn't scared." I mean, hello? <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Like, I had to pause the episode. I was laughing so hard. Uh, so it has to, like, come over physically to convince Binky and show him, like, the tools she's acquired to, like, go face the thing. And once he sees the tennis racket she's holding, he's like, eh, why not? Yeah, they make they each make their own little makeshift costumes out of the stuff they have just lying around their rooms. Like, Sue Ellen has, like, boots, uh, mountain goggles, a flashlight, a tennis racket, uh, like, a, like a bucket hat. I kind of – I liked this part because it kind of reminded me of, you know, all those movies from, like, the 80s I was, or even recently where – I was just going to say it totally has that, like, kids versus the supernatural 80s vibe, like uh, Goonies or Stranger Things or even, like, It, yep. where it's, like, a team of kids team up. The adults aren't involved. They sort of have thrown together uh, defense mechanisms like, oh, I have this slingshot. It's going to stop this supernatural creature or even something like not supernatural, like stand by me. But like kids teaming up together to solve a problem. It definitely has that sort of vibe. I wrote. uh, I'm glad you picked up on that, too. This whole uh, latter half of the episode feels like that. And it's awesome. Yeah, I really liked it, too. Uh, So she manages to get. The three guys, Binky, Buster, and Arthur, I'll, I'll mention here, uh, and they they make their way back to the forest and get ready to confront whatever the noise is. Sue Ellen's the only one who's brave enough to go in, uh, and it's uh, underneath a really scraggly, scary-looking tree. Uh, I'll also mention that they do like a kind of a fist bump before they go in, and Arthur goes, one for all, and Binky says, and good for nothing. <laughs> So Sue Ellen goes. That'd be, a, that'd be a sick thing to have written on the back of a, like a biker jacket, one for all and good for nothing. Yeah, that's actually not bad. Uh, so Sue Ellen is the only one brave enough to go in with her flashlight. She shines it in, and who is it that's under that tree making that noise? Then Perky. I felt so bad for Perky here because Perky's been like stuck here for like three days at this point. I know, poor Perky. Uh, but yeah, Perky, who is Pal's mom, was uh, stuck under the tree and making that noise. So thankfully, they uh, they went to they went to find her and they faced their fear and are able to get her out. 
much to the uh, to the joy of Mrs. Wood. And who else returns to saw off the part of the tree than Gunky, our old favorite Gunky? weren't you weren't you excited to see old Gunky again? Oh my God, I've forgotten about Gunky. To be honest with you, it sounds be- like what you're what you're telling it to me. It's like Gunky sounds like a made up McElroy character. Like I'm Gunky the the landkeeper. No, dude, I can never forget about Gunky, and there he was, saving the day. The, Mrs. Mrs. Wood is very thankful uh, to uh, to the to the gang for helping her rescue her dog, and then in a weird moment, decides to reward them by giving them all a big kiss, and they all like scream and run away. It's just like a kiss from someone who isn't your family when you're a kid as a reward. That's weird i wish yeah i bet they were they were hoping for like a financial restitution for finding uh uh perky but instead they get a a a really crappy present well yeah i mean there is that but it's also just like this weird thing of like don't kiss kids that aren't yours unless you're like given permission to like that's if if weird if it's any uh uh if you, you can take solace to the fact, Will, that I do not believe that Mrs. Woods is supposed to be a sympathetic character. No, I guess that's true. Uh, the episode ends with Sue Ellen telling her own scary story back at the treehouse to Francine and Brain, essentially relating this uh, the story that they went through, but in a bit more of embellished fashion. And again, she uses Binky as like a human prop for her jump scare. Uh, as the hideous two-headed wolf man, but instead he has like a uh, a cow head that he strap that he straps to his shoulder because it, he it co- looks it, it looks like the costume that Michael Scott was wearing to that Diwali party because he thought it was a costume party in right. the office. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like it actually kind of looks a bit like Mary Moo Cow. Uh, and, it's, and it's his excuse is I couldn't find a wolf head, but otherwise Sue Ellen's story is uh, very well received and. Uh, Francine asks, how'd you think of something so scary? And then Swellen kind of gives a knowing smile to the other three guys of like, it's like, I don't have to. I lived it kind of thing. So that's where that that's where that one kind of caps off. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. First things first, the fashion in a word from us kids always delivers. <laughs> this time... Uh, one kid, you only see him for a second, is wearing this awesome Tintin crew neck. It's like a gray crew neck sweater, and it's got like a cover of one of the old Tintin comic books. And I'm like, dang, I would wear that. I think I missed that. I'm, I, I'm, I, I've got it on the background right now. I'll let you know when I see it. Uh, so this is this is actually one where they're just kind of playing a game about how like sometimes things can sound like different things. So they're like both in a there's like two kids and they're in a place where they can't see each other kind of like a uh, curtain in between them and one of them has to guess the and, sound and the i, I really making. i really like the way it's shot too because it's like a direct split screen so like we can see both kids but the kids can't see each other um and like one kid's basically doing foley with like miscellaneous objects that the other kid has to guess and I, 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 the note I wrote down here is like this could be this could be a uh, a game that is played on like a late night TV show. Like I wouldn't be uh, surprised if James Corden did this with like I don't know Emma Stone or something. There's a lot of great lines in this award from us kids. I wrote down a couple. Uh, one kid at some point goes, "There's a kid banging a garbage can up and down," and one kid goes, "I have to admit that I think it's the garbage can going up and down." Right. Um. And one, another kid is, like, closing and opening scissors over and over again. And the kid's like, are they knives? And they're like, no. And he's like, is it any kind of silverware? <laughs> the host for this one's pretty well spoken. I liked him. And the final line from one of the kids is, sound is very mysterious. <laughs> this is just a great word from us kids. I thought this was one of the more enjoyable ones I've ever seen. Yeah, this one's pretty clever. It's, it's pretty easy to enjoy. All right, the second half of our episode today is Clarissa is Cracked. This title makes me laugh, um, not because it has anything to do with the episode, but just like it's a very 28 thing, 18 turn of phrase to refer to something as cracked. Like, oh, man, that's cracked as like something's like wild or something's like really messed up. It's like, oh, that's cracked. And so the context of Clarissa is cracked uh, sort of has changed over the years. 
Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Uh, the first, well, for, of course, the first thing I think of with cracked is the website. So, uh, oh yikes! It's not- top six, top six dolls in popular culture. I don't know. Top top six dolls that were weirder than you remember, um. or something. Uh, speaking of, <laughs> I mean, speaking of problematic question mark, uh, we start off this episode by uh, Arthur watching like a special on uh, uh, the mummies of Egypt and how they kind of kept things in their tomb for after they died, and uh, Arthur and D.W. both kind of thinking about what kind of treasures they would have in their tomb and. Uh, uh, Arthur's dressed up, wrapped up in bandages like a mummy, and uh, D.W. in hers is kind of more dressed up like uh, the tip, the typical Cleopatra type of look. Which I was like, this kind of looks cool, but also like, kind of, kind of don't know how to feel I, uh, about it. It, w- it did give me a great idea for a question, and that is, yep. Will, what would your treasures that you'd be buried in your mummy tomb be? Well, that's a good question. Um... Let's I can see. start if you if you have to think about it because I wrote mine down. Oh sure, you go ahead. So I'd be p- buried with my Criterion DVDs and all my Pride FC DVDs. Uh, I'd be buried with my signed Giant Bomb poster that's signed by many people in the Giant Bomb staff. Uh, I'd be buried with my framed uh, UFC 205 poster that is displayed prominently in my d- apartment. And finally, my uh, my neighbor Totoro and my gizmo from Gremlins plushes would also be buried with me in the tomb. Okay. Uh, so something that would be really valuable to me, I guess that would be stuff like my old stuffed animals that I've had since I was a baby. Probably, a, you know, a couple pictures of my family and, and whatnot. I don't know. Mine's, I'm kind of boring because I'm a sentimental kind of guy. I don't really have the riches that uh, that you do. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like uh, riches. Try to think. Uh, I've got a uh, got a pretty keen uh, uh, Brahma bull rock stuffed the rock stuffed animal that has a t shirt that says just bring it. So maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll have that. Ah, oh, sorry, I'm not in my living room right now, so I'm having a hard time like thinking about what I even have. Probably my graphic novel collection. Just, uh, you know, all the ones that I've kind of collected throughout the years. One time, uh, a really long time ago, back when I lived in a different town, uh, the the fire alarm went off in my apartment, and I had to make a very quick snap decisions of what I would need, I save in the next few seconds before I left the apartment. Um, and I literally, one, I was wearing uh, sweatpants with holes in them, and so I made the executive decision to change into jeans because I wanted to die with my dignity. Uh, and I also decided... <laughs> I also decided to uh, save my laptop because it would just be difficult to – I hadn't backed it up or anything, so there was a lot of important things on there. Um, if that fire was to happen now, though, I think I would save my laptop and, again, that Giant Bomb poster would be the other thing I would try and save just because it's signed. And so it's it's pretty special because it's hard to get uh, another one of those. Everything else I have could pretty much be replaced, though. I think probably a flash drive with – every episode of Elwood City Limits and my iTunes library on it just because I have spent, I'm going to say, hundreds if not thousands of dollars on the iTunes on my iTunes library since high school. And, Yikes. Uh, so that, history, that... <laughs> history has not been kind to that line of decision-making. No, but, I mean, hey, I keep doing it, so... I... Oh, no, Will! <laughs> Where am I going to get him from? I got it. Like, I want to do Apple, this. Wanna... Apple Music. No. Spotify. No, I'm a, I'm an old codger. I buy my oh, I buy man. my music so I can listen to it when I want to. Will, 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 Will. The Spotify to Apple Music let you download the music onto your phone so you can listen to them when you want to. Oh. You don't need the you don't need Oh no, Will. This is crazy. I don't know. <laughs> this this is behavior I would describe as cracked. <laughs> well, excuse me, princess. I'm just a little bit of a late adopter, so I don't know. There's so many of them, and like I don't know which one to do. Like, ah. I mean, I would say if you have a very big iTunes library, you would use Apple Music because then you could transfer your iTunes library into the cloud onto Apple Music, and uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'll cons- I'll consider it. I don't know how this turned from talking about my valuables to let's dunk, <laughs> let's dunk on old man Will for not having Spotify or whatever. That's right. I'm gonna be buried with my Spotify login. <laughs> People uh, need to know that I really enjoy that MF Doom Sarface album that just came out. 
<laughs> and finally, I'll just, I don't know, say probably my wrestling t-shirts. Oh, and uh, and my DVDs that I got signed by the guys from Rift Tracks. I, I, re- I, re- I rediscovered those recently. That's awesome. Yeah. they uh, When they came here to uh, the place that we live, uh, Halifax, for our first ever science fiction convention a few years ago, uh, that was actually great because the guys from Rift Tracks came and they were like, it was their, it was our first convention, so they were like our first like really big guests. So they did like a Q and A panel at the local movie theater. Um, they did a live riff tracks, and they also played an episode of MST3K. Oh, that sounds awesome! I'm so uh, upset that I didn't see any of that. So I got them to sign my DVD copy of uh, the first Spider Man movie and oh. and and the Daredevil movie. Ooh! If only you had a DVD copy of Mitchell. Oh, that's what you were referencing. Okay. Yeah, I forgot his name was Mitchell and not Dylan. <laughs> that's that's why that's why I brought it up later is to correct that. That may, okay. That makes so much more sense now. I was like, what's what's the joke here? I thought you were trying to go at first for like a predator reference with like Dylan, you son of a. But no, no I was just thinking of like like no offense to Mitchell or a Dylan, but it's just like that's just like a white guy name and I got my <laughs> white guy names mixed up. Boy, you sure did. Uh okay, so back to the episode of Arthur. Uh the the cold open's actually pretty funny, so it ends uh, they both kind of do their sequences of what would be in their tomb. Uh, we cut to mom and dad who are coming into the living room, and then they find uh, Arthur, D.W., and Pal. They're asleep, but Arthur and D.W. are kind of like both in their own interpretations of what mummies are. It's like Arthur's got like two feather dusters crossed over his chest. D.W. is like wrapped herself up in toilet paper. And then, and then uh, dad just says, if we walk out quietly... We won't have to ask, and they both, <laughs> and they both agree. That's really funny. I, That's really funny because it seems like something that parents would actually do. That's a, that, I think my parents would be mad at me for wasting all the toilet paper, but I agree. So the Clarissa of the episode is actually something that belongs to Grandma Thora. It's a very old uh, glass doll that she keeps uh, in a cabinet. So when DW is over, kind of playing with Grandma Thora's old stuff one day, she. Uh, Grandma introduces DW to Clarissa, uh, and DW is instantly in love, and Grandma Thora lets her take care of Clarissa for a week. Uh, what is this, a movie produced by Blumhouse Pictures? <laughs> Instead of Annabelle, it's Clarissa? Exactly. Annabelle ripped off Arthur. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, DW is very, very happy and obviously loves Clarissa a great deal, but... This is kind of the problem. So we see like a montage of DW hanging out with Clarissa that week. And little by little, she's a little bit more, I don't want to say rougher, but a little bit uh, less careful with uh, with Clarissa. So she get, gets like dirty. She changes her hair and all this kind of stuff. And DW should have taken better care of her, yes. But also, I think this is kind of Grandma Thor's fault because you got to be really explicit with how careful you have to be with a doll like Clarissa. I mean... I I think we learn later on in the episode there's narrative reasons for Grandma Thora not really caring. I that's true, but uh, for for the sake of the drama of this episode, I feel like that yes. sh- that should have been said. Uh, well, I also think the drama of this episode's a little bit robbed by this other scene where we see uh, Mr. Rappern. Uh, he's doing a puppet show, and then there's technical difficulties where Rapunzel falls and breaks her neck, as DW puts it. Um, and then he's like fixing. He's like brief intermission, and then he's fixing puppets. And Arthur sees him fixing puppets, and I'm like, could this be foreshadowing, perhaps? Well, see, I really, I really liked that. So that's kind of at the end of the montage of DW and Clarissa. Uh, yeah, they're watching a puppet show, as you as you said, Lucas, and. Uh, you know, Rap- Rapunzel really dramatically falls out of the castle and, like, her head comes off. That that shot you mentioned where Arthur sees Ratburn, I actually thought was really funny because it's told without words, but it's just Arthur walking by. He sees Ratburn screwing the head back on Rapunzel, and then it cuts back to Arthur's face as he just has just a blank expression and keeps walking. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Like in it, he, adopt, it, he adopted his parents' strategy of if you just walk away, you don't have to ask any questions. And then, uh, like again, we kind of say this a lot, but almost in a Simpsons type of way. Like I would expect that that kind of subtle joke to fly in a different type of show. 
Uh, and DW, I thought, uh, also had a great line. Arthur Arthur comes up and is like, how's the play? And she says, great. Rapunzel fell out of the castle and broke her neck. <laughs> I'm like, well, at least she's taking that well. Uh, so back at the house, DW is jumping on her bed with all her toys, including Clarissa. Uh, I'll just note here that she says, I am Rapunzelaria. Princess of the second layer of sky. Speaking of speaking of Studio Ghibli, that sounds like a Hayao Miyazaki plot. Oh, uh, what was the sky one? Oh God, Porco Rosso. No, 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 no. It's not actually a a, a Miyazaki film, but it is a Ghibli film. Sky Ghibli film. Oh, there is one about a, a oh, castle in the sky or something. How? Oh yeah, my it, God. And not no, not Howl's Moving Castle. Oh oh uh, oh oh. I, it's called Castle in the Sky. <laughs> okay, thank you. I, I thought maybe I knew what that was. So, uh, unfortunately, Clarissa falls off of DW's bed, and uh, her left eye breaks off, which is where we kind of see that she's made of glass. Oh, uh, it is directed by Miyazaki. My apologies. I just have to clarify this. Or at least uh, or at least that Clarissa is ceramic to some degree, uh, and her dad, you know, chastises her and says that Clarissa needs to be taken very good care of. DW kind of doesn't get it, like, of... You know, she thinks like, oh, that's okay. Uh, like, Grandma Thora can uh, just get herself a new one. But uh, her the dad and mom, Reed, both say that she's very old and isn't the one that can really be replaced. And they explain why. Uh, they bring DW downstairs to show her a photo album of what life was like when Grandma Thora was DW's age. And we get this extended sequence, this extended oh. flashback sequence, where Grandma Thora uh, is a little girl and gets Clarissa for the first time. Straight up, I thought this was great. I love, I, I, I love this. I'm glad you said that because I agree. This is by far my favorite part of the episode uh, for multiple reasons. It's first of all, it's just great lore building for Elwood City. Like I love seeing old timey Elwood City and the contrast between how it is now. Um, and then I think there's a lot of really well done decisions made with this flashback. For instance, they get DW's voice actor to voice Grandma Thora, but it's not like Grandma Thora and DW are the same character. Like, the performance is very different. Like, Grandma Thora is more grown-up sounding in her young age. Um, I love that, like, how realistic it is that, like, Grandma Thora had, like, 12 siblings, basically, because that's how many kids people had back then. Um... There's all kinds of stuff, like, just the contrast of, like, there's little things where Grandma Thora goes to the store by herself, and DW's like, whoa, she could go without any parents? And they're like, it was a different time. And then there's the cop directing traffic. There's some uh, continuity with other Arthur episodes when the Zeppelin flies over. You're right. I'm glad. Uh, thank you for pointing out all those details. Uh, and I believe that Arthur, that Mom Reed's voice actor does... Uh, uh, Thora's mother as well, but also in a different cadence and delivery. And I really appreciated that. You you mentioned that Thor sounds a lot more mature. It is like kind of mature and more reserved than DW is, but you can see the similarities in how they look. She just she's kind of like DW with a bit of a different hairstyle a little bit, but she's mm-hmm. distinct. She's distinct enough that you can see the re, you can see the resemblance, but they they're not the same like character model necessarily. Uh, I also thought a thing that was really, like, heartwarming about this is that her brothers aren't necessarily directly antagonistic. Like, they're trying to help her out. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying their best to give her girl toys, but they're just sort of failing at it. Like, that one brother makes her the potato princess, and she's like, I don't want to play with the potato. And he's like, oh, I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, the, so the whole thing here is that DW, or excuse me, see, uh, Thora you know, goes over to the toy store. Like, her big activity is to look in the toy store window because, of course, you know, times are a little tough back when she was a a little girl, so she can't have her own toys. So all she gets is hand-me-downs from her brothers, and she really wants the doll that would become Clarissa. Uh, And her mother explains that, like, you know, little uh, it's actually not so much a money thing, but also that, like, little girls usually aren't careful with dolls like that. But Thora's like, I'd be very careful, mother. And you're right. I did like how her brothers are kind of are trying to help her out a little bit, but it's just not not really enough. And then finally, we get a, sh- a scene of on Thora's birthday, she gets a present, and I love this. So I, I want to note here. So you you do get a great sense of Thora's family and the time that she lives in so well, and it's almost exclusively through the performance and the visuals. So of course, the visuals I thought were very good at capturing you know old Elwood City and the styles of the time. But like when Thora gets Clarissa. You can hear how overjoyed she is, and I thought that was a great performance. She's just a mm. doll, a real doll. 
and you can see her just treating her treating Clarissa like gold uh through through her through her childhood and how much she loves her and how much she means to her and we cut back uh to the Reed family and DW's in tears she's like Grandma Thora loved Clarissa so much and I didn't treat her the way that I should have and she's and she's really quite sad I get yeah again a, a a triumph of a of a part of this episode. So they decide to try getting Clarissa fixed, and they go first to the doll hospital. So speaking of things that feel like Simpsons jokes, uh, <laughs> the doll hospital is definitely one, especially the payoff of the doll hospital. They go to the doll hospital, which if it exists in 2018, it must have fallen on hard times. Uh, but they go to the doll hospital. And there's a note, a handwritten note on the front door that says, uh, gone on vacation for a month, signed, Bill. And just the way, like, Arthur's mom's like, Bill, it's just, I, I don't know, something about this is funny. There's not necessarily a joke here, it's just kind of a silly situation. Well, like, oh, the guy who runs the doll hospital, one, his name's Bill, which is just funny. And then two, it's like, he's gonna go on a month vacation? Uh, and then uh, DW is like, "What kind of doctor? <laughs> what kind of doctor goes on vacation when there's sick dolls?" <laughs> uh, I mean, I was more confused than anything else. Like, a, I can't believe that even in like 1999, somebody was brazen enough to open a business that is just opening, like, and it's and it's like a whole storefront. It's like a house, and it's just dedicated to fixing dolls. And and more than that. I can't believe that he's making enough money to go on a vacation for a month. That might be the most ridiculous this, part of this whole thing this, is that he can't take a month vacation. This is um, this is ludicrous. The doll hospital business is a booming. I mean, there are shoe hospitals, so why but, not one for dolls? But everybody wears shoes. Not everybody oh, needs dolls hospitalized. That's very, <laughs> very true. They also try to go online uh, and... Uh, but there's a six there's a six month wait to get their doll fixed, so that's not nearly enough time. DW's week is running out. Uh, she's really down in the dumps in this. DW has a great line that says, "Grandma Thora's g- like gonna find out what a bad granddaughter I am. She'll probably fire me." Uh, also, I would like to point out that Clarissa looks like a near character at this point. Like she's so beat up and to hold her together, DW has wrapped like a bandage around her eyes and she looks like she just came out of near. She does. She does look a little bit like uh, B2 now that you mention it. That's that's not a or 2B. Excuse me. It's been a while. Uh, yeah. Good. Good catch. Uh, but Arthur f- suddenly gets an idea, and like you said, Lucas, they planted the seeds of this earlier in the episode. He knows that Mr. Ratburn is pretty handy with dolls and uh, what have yous, so they bring it to Mr. Ratburn. Um, I actually really liked his inclusion in this episode. I think, again, as much as we deepened the backstory of Grandma Thora, we also gave a little bit of depth to Mr. Ratburn's character. He seems you know, like a very handy guy. Uh, which makes him a bit more interesting and very kind that he would offer to do this for DW and for free. When they first enter, though, DW's like worried that he's he's performing some sort of awful surgery on the doll because he's got this big cha- uh, this not chainsaw but like a a big wood saw out. Uh, and then he's just on his IKEA though. That's what he's doing is he's building some pretty nice shelves. Uh, and the doll's already been fixed. Yeah, it's a pretty harrowing uh, imagination of what DW thinks is happening because she hears like this bandsaw going, and it's just her imagination is Ratburn in his school clothes, by the way, like hovering over Clarissa and menacing her with this giant saw and laughing like a lunatic. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty harrowing. But no, yeah, you're right. He's making this uh, really handy shelving unit. Ratburn here, kind of dressed in like dark green sweats. Like, and uh, goggles? He looks like a character out of Ex Machina. For any of you comic book fans out there. But he reveals it, and Clarissa, he indeed was able to fix. And it's se- seemingly at no charge, just out of the goodness of his heart. So, uh, and DW says a couple of times, like, you're not as scary as Arthur says you are. And Mr. Epperin's like, huh? Uh, so we end up back at the Reed house. Uh, DW gives Clarissa back. But her guilt gets the better of her, and she has to reveal to Grandma that she that she broke Clarissa, and comes clean. But then, and you you made mention to this as well, Lucas. Uh, 
uh, Grandma Thor says, Clarissa's been broken many times, and I've had her fixed. But you admitting to me that, that that's what happened means that not only did you take responsibility, but that you're also very trustworthy. And then the episode ends with Grandma Thor saying, and that's someone who should take care of Clarissa all the time. And the final shot is like Clarissa uh, sat on a windowsill next to a picture of DW and her, as well as Grandma Thora and her when she was a kid. To which I was like, see you never, Clarissa. She's going to go right <laughs> right, right there, right along there with Toadie and all the other D- DW-centric things that we'll probably never see again. Dang, you could have like... Uh... <laughs> You could have a whole episode with like Spanky, Toady, and Spanky's ghost, Toady, and Clarissa all teaming up. Uh, what a waste! Yeah, the the uh, the evidence is really adding up here. Well, that is it for that episode of Arthur. Let's uh, rewind it back to What Scared Sue Ellen. How did how did you find that one? I really enjoyed What Scared Sue Ellen. Um, I think I'm pretty much biased towards Sue Ellen episodes because I think she's a character that uh, is sort of uh, she's. Better than her role usually gives her time to be in Arthur episodes. Like, she's usually a side character, so it's always fun when she's the main character of an episode. Uh, but I, I thought it was really, really entertaining. I liked um, Swellen sort of being initially scared by the woods, and like you said, they were really well-designed and cool. I liked learning about all the different foreign pieces of folklore and all the imagination sequences involving those. And then I loved the final sequence where it was like an 80s movie where they, you know all faced their fears and stood up against the uh, the unknown. Uh, my only criticism would be I kind of wish more of the episode was that latter part because it was so much fun, but I really enjoyed it. So I feel like this season uh, I've been not not hard on, but I've just been kind of like, ex- I think my expectations were a little high. I figured like, oh, I'm going to love this, this season. And the episodes we've had so far, I think the, probably the strongest I felt about them is... Uh, you know, only a couple of them I've really, really liked. This episode, I loved. Uh, I like this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. Uh, I and it's 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 crazy because I didn't really remember it at all either. Like it's a lot of episodes this season we've been looking forward to, and then some of them have delivered, some of them not so much. This one kind of came out of nowhere. For real, um, it, I just love the whole kind of atmosphere of it. I mean, I'm a sucker for scary stories and horror and all that kind of stuff. This is the closest that Arthur kind of gets in some respects. Uh, I love the way that everything looked at the time of year of fall. I liked the story. Uh, you know, you and I kind of mentioned how at the end the kid, it's like kids versus the monster. That's the way that, I mean, Arthur would tackle it. And I really got a kick out of it. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't really have anything bad to say about this episode. I loved the idea. I loved the way that they executed it. There were some really funny lines. There was some great binky in there. That's how you use your binky. Uh, Sue Ellen, I thought, was really good in this episode, which I think she could always use a bit more uh, time in the spotlight. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love this uh, top to bottom. If anything reminds me of Hellboy comic books, it's probably of high quality. Very true. So. Uh, I will also say that I really enjoyed Clarissa is Cracked. I thought that this was a great uh, one-two punch of an episode. Now, I, it doesn't quite reach the heights that uh, Sue Ellen, What Scared Sue Ellen does, but I did really enjoy it, and a big part of it is that middle part with Grandma Thora as a little girl. I just thought that, that was an inspired bit that they, uh, that they committed to, and I thought that that really made the episode a lot more special than if they hadn't have done it. Because uh, the... The overall thing of DW kind of learning responsibility, I did also really like. It's not exactly anything new or groundbreaking, but uh, it's it's a way to kind of see a new side of DW, and I thought they did really well. I wrote down here in my notes, this is a perfect DW episode for the haters because <laughs> a lot of it is a lot of a lot of it is DW like under the gun, feeling a little sorry for herself, being a little sad. And uh, kind of learning a bit of humility and responsibility. I am not a DW hater, but I did enjoy that, again, we kind of got to flesh her out a little bit more. You know, she wasn't like the annoying little sister. She was kind of just a little kid who was learning a lesson. And uh, I will say, I also love the way that Clarissa looks. I thought they were able to uh, kind of portray her in a way where she always looked the way that she was supposed to. Like a doll uh, among... um, animated characters it's kind of hard to explain but i do really like the way she looked and it was very heartwarming at the end even though knowing that you know we're probably never going to see clarissa again it was at least good for you know uh an a story's worth of emotional beats 
Uh, I think you're right on the money with this one, Will. I totally agree. I really enjoyed Clarissa is Cracked, not so much as What Scared Sue Ellen, but I think it's a really good episode, and I think it's worth praising it for... Uh, a lot of times we're a lot harder on the more slower-paced episodes, just because they tend to, you know, they don't have a laugh a minute or a ton of cool rising action, like a lot of stuff to talk about on a podcast. But I do think that this is another great example of how to do a slow-paced Arthur episode right. Like, I was getting Grandpa's Old Country Farm vibes of I think that might be the greatest slow-paced Arthur episode of all time uh, and so this one is a, like a close second in sort of evoking a great emotional response by not having a lot of rising action um, and I also think, again, the star of the episode is that flashback in the middle where we see what life was like for grandpa, Grandma in old Elwood City Limits. So much so that I would almost want to see a whole episode that took place in that old-timey Elwood City. I think that'd be really cool. And I, I again, I liked how it filled in Grandma's character and, and, and DW's character grew, but I also like seeing the character of the city and how it used to be when it's old. That's just cool to me because I'm a little lore nerd. Um, but yeah, I also think that um, the ending of the episode, the way it wraps up, is really, really well done, and it evokes like a true emotional response. I was like, oh my goodness, this is so sweet. Like her getting passed down the doll. Like, what a great ending. Uh, I found myself... Uh, really, really enjoying the way this episode sticks the landing. Uh, so I would go as far as to say, so season three, I think there have been a lot of standout episodes, but it's always been a standout episode and it's paired with a clunker, like a totally unforgettable episode that gets completely overshadowed by um, the standout one it's paired with. And I think this has been the most consistent uh, two episodes paired together so far in season three, like back-to-back -back bangers. Agreed. Strong recommend for both of these for both of these stories and this episode overall. And again, two episodes I totally had not remembered at all, so I had basically no expectations going in. All right, kids, that's it for uh, this episode of Arthur. Elwood City Limits coming to a close here. Uh, before we get into our big announcement, of course, uh, we're going to tell you the ways that you can interact with us, as always. Uh, we are on the social media, so come and find us and follow us. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, at ECL Podcast. On Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. If you'd like to be one of our wonderful uh, listeners like you and send it in an email, you can do that, uh, either to read on the air or for off-air, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And you can uh, you can find this podcast, elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. That's where all of the episodes are stored on the web. Uh, you can also find us in the Apple Store, Apple Podcasts, and you can find us on Google Play and let us know if there's anywhere else you'd like to find us. So... Okay, so this one has been one that's been asked about. When are we doing it? Are we doing it? What's happening here? So, I am uh, here to announce to you that as of, I think it was like two weeks ago that we finalized it, that we uh, launched it, Elwood City Limits has a Patreon. Now, this Patreon may not be like the ones that you're used to seeing. In fact, uh, what I want to do is... I want to take a little bit of extra time to talk about the Patreon in a bit of detail, but I'm not going to do that here. What I'm going to do is I think I'm going to create a separate uh, short, ep I don't know, not an episode, but a short little recording of what the Patreon is, and I'll outline it in detail, and I'll be releasing it on this feed probably within the next week or so. So until then, you can go and check it out. We do have all the information over at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. And until we go into the little bit more in-depth explanation, I'll just say any donation is welcome. And we thank you, everybody, for asking uh, how you can support the podcast. This is just a brand new way to do it. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And I'll also say, in case you uh, don't listen to the, uh, the explanation episode of what the Patreon is and what we're looking to do, don't worry. This show will always be free. So don't worry about missing out on any content. This is simply a way to say thank you if you want to. Completely optional. I also have a personal plug. Um, we haven't really had anything else. A lot of times on podcasts, people will plug their personal Twitters or whatever other projects they're doing. Um, I've recently started a new endeavor with a couple of friends. It's the uh, Mally Stream YouTube channel. 
Uh, it's basically we're just playing through some video games. We have two videos up right now. One, which is a four-hour Wii Points extravaganza where we celebrate the end of the Wii Shop by buying a lot of Wii, point, Wii Points and then buying a lot of games with them. And we're now playing through the game Secret of Mana in our Secret of Mali series. If you want to check that out as well, give us a subscribe at Mali Stream. Oh yeah, and on that on that Wii Points Mally stream, you can also see former guest of the show, Nitro Rad. Right? Nitro Rad's also there, and thank you to Nitro Rad for giving us the plug promoting the Mally stream. Uh Will, we've seen you in the chat on many a Mally stream. What do you think of the show? I think you guys uh do great do very well in the stream. Obviously, uh the friend of your the friend of yours that runs it along with you, uh, I, I think you've got a great setup, and you're the right type of personalities to be doing it. Really, if you want to see uh, Lucas Mancini unfiltered and uncensored, <laughs> this is the way to do it. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll find my my way there sometime. But in the meantime, if you want some extra Lucas content, some of the Mancini pals, uh, then I would definitely recommend Mally Streams. What's the uh, what's the URL for that? One more time. Well, we need a little bit more subscribers to get the custom URL, but if you you want to find it just go to youtube and search for m-a-l-l-y stream i'm gonna do that right now and subscribe so i don't miss any <laughs> all right so that is a couple of big big things uh popping little things stopping here on uh elwood city limits so thank you everybody for uh your continued interest uh <laughs> sorry, uh, well, not sorry, but we did April Foolia a little bit, so we're back to, to Arthur now, and the next time we talk to you, we're going to be on to another pair of stories. Uh, Lucas, next time it's going to be Arthur's Dummy Disaster, along with Francine and the Feline. Oh my goodness, we're keeping with the inanimate, uh, sort of a mannequin, the 90s movie mannequin type theme with the dummies and Clarissa and all that stuff for sure. Until we talk to you next time, that's Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young for Lucas Mancini. What's a kappa? We'll see you next time.